Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Joining me on the phone, it is the one, the only, the undeniable singer D. Snyder. He has got a new album called For the Love of Metal Live. And so we talk all about that. And before we get to D, we will talk to one of the great D. Snyder fans in this world, Alan Niven. Bonjour, Monsieur Alain. Bonjour, ça va? Yes. Um, a couple of episodes ago... I, we brought up Twisted Sister, and I said, man, I'm pretty sure you're not going to like them because it was all makeup and this and that. And you surprised me and said, well, no. Actually, Dee Schneider kicks ass when he's live, and, and you love his energy, and you love his, his performances, and, and seeing Twisted Sister live is an experience. So, so let's just well, expand on that a little bit. Let, let's just uh, tidy that up a tiny bit. Um, Way back in the last millennia, um, Great White toured for a while with Twisted Sister uh, in 1987. And I first came to hear of Twisted Sister through Jason Flom, who became uh, an Uber exec um, at Atlantic. And... uh, Then I think he was in a, he had a label called Volcano. Um, but as a young teenager, he was calling me up in LA and saying, you should look at this band, so on and so forth. I have to say that even touring with Twisted, I am not a huge fan of their material. And I'm certainly not a big fan of the imaging and the approach. And there's just a little bit of uh, puerility to it. But on the other hand, I will tell you that one time I was in Las Vegas and Dee was guesting uh, with a band, uh, you know, one of your pickup super bands for, for Vegas. Um, they were playing at one of the casinos. Um, Rudy Sarzo was involved. Uh, Tony Montana was involved. And Dee sang in front of this band and was stunning. He was, he had such an incredible presence. Um, his appearance and presentation was eminently superior to the twisted sister image. And I just sat there and looked at him and I went, my God, you know, you, it, it's almost as if you have more power without twisted sister. And his singing was <clears throat> absolutely amazing. And I could only sit there and think, God, Somebody should have taken your side and gotten you better material because you'd have been even bigger. Um, I thought of it in terms of a Rob Halford presence. It was that strong and his voice was, was that good. Um, he really is an absolutely A1 frontman. Oh, yeah. He, he controls the stage and where he's a master is at the large... Uh, gatherings, you know, I've had a chance to see him at the Montebello Rock Fest, at Heavy Montreal, at, at all these other festivals. And when he's in front, or the band is in front of a crowd that has thirty thousand people, forty thousand people, and he starts getting into "I Want to Rock," "Burn in Hell," "The Price," uh, of course, we're not going to take it. He just commands that audience, and and they almost give you that sort of robot-like, you know, the arms in the air, and and it's just, it's magical. It's just totally magical. And so, 
Uh, D has become one of my favorite frontmen. Now, I don't know if, if you want to expand on, on the catalog. Um, yeah, maybe they could have used a few more hits. Maybe they should have stretched out a little bit and gotten some songwriting help from the Diane Warrens and the Jim Valances and the... Uh, boy, who else, who else was writing songs back in that day? Uh, Desmond Child. Um, you know, maybe Bob Rock and Desmond Child could have gotten together with D and made this really slick album, but... I don't know. Would would that really have have worked for them? I don't know. I I don't know that if I were involved, that I'd be thinking in terms of Slick, for example, would be um, because he, his his power is grit. His power has has that um, undeniable sense of authenticity to it. I'd have been looking for something, you know, just with, with a little more sinew, maybe just yeah. a tad more intelligence to it than, you know, not quite so juvenile, um, but truly a genuinely stunning front man. And, you know, one of, one of those people I look at and go, wow, you did well, but maybe you could have done better. It's, you know, it's almost, do you remember a little Scottish girl called Lulu? I do. I do indeed. Lulu was, quote-unquote, an entertainer on TV, you know, the, uh, playing for the aunties on the BBC on a Saturday evening. But my God, that voice, if she had done some genuinely bluesy material, she could have been an artist instead of an entertainer. I mean, that's, that's, that's just my perspective. Is, you know, when you hear a voice that strong and that commanding, you would like it to be presenting something that has just got a little more weight to it. Yeah, I, I agree. And and here, I don't know if you know this, but here's the, the irony in the whole thing. Uh, other than we're not going to take it, one of Dee's greatest achievements, or, 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 or the cash cow, if you want, is the fact that Quebecois artiste, Canadian artiste Céline Dion covered his song called The Magic of Christmas Day, God Bless Us Everyone. And Dee Snyder has said in interviews how Céline Dion paid for his house. So so, so the, the wow. We're Not Gonna Take It guy really is making a lot of money on a petite chanteuse de la Québec. So how's that for irony? Is that even ironic? I, I, do you know what? That's as good as knowing that Gene Simmons wrote a song with Bob Dylan. It's as obtuse and surreal. Yeah, that I puts a smile on my face. I have, a, I have an article uh, in front of me where uh, they're quoting Dee Snyder on the Talk is Jericho, so Chris Jericho's podcast, and uh, he says, uh, the, he goes, after finding out that, he, that, that Celine covered the song, he said, the first thing I said was, does she know who wrote it? He goes, I haven't, to I haven't told her. Do not. And he, he continues, he says, do not tell her that Satan wrote a Christmas song. Just put it on the friggin' album. So, yeah, so, so it's just funny, you know, that, that Celine Dion ha has gone on to, to, to sing this song. It's sold millions and millions of copies. And the twisted sister, we're not gonna take it, burn in hell, I want a rock guy is sitting in his home in Belize, because he lives out in Belize, 
on Celine Dion money. That's, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's a great story. Dean moves to Belize. Yeah, yeah, he spends... Uh, Good Lord. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he spends eight to ten months a year in Belize and comes to the States just to say hello. Wow. Yeah. Or, yeah, Belize or Ibiza. But well, either way, he, he's, he's somewhere warm and tropical. So, there you go. Well, thank you, Celine. Thank you, Celine. Yeah, she's 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 been a, a boon to many people's careers. Uh, of course, I, I've I've always had the sense that there's um, a little rocker chick hidden in Celine Dion. You know that uh, I, I just get that vibe off of her personality. That you know, behind a closed door and maybe with a glass of wine in her hand, you'll find that she actually knows a lot of rock and roll and likes to turn it up. Oh, oh, she absolutely does. In fact, in her concerts, and you can go to YouTube right this second, there are many, many live performances of her singing ACDC songs. And you, you, your gut reaction is, oh, my God, that's going to be horrific. And then you go listen to she it. She nails it. I, absolutely. She, she absolutely yeah. nails it. She is, and I don't know if this sounds disparaging or not, but she is a rocker chick. And she... I guarantee when she goes home, she is rocking out to the Scorpions and to ACDC and to Metallica. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's not sitting around listening to Michael Bublé. And I'm telling you, go to YouTube and just put in Celine Dion ACDC and you are going to see some fantastic performances. And, and, and it's, it's mind-blowing. I will, ha- I will have to do that. Yes. Because extraordinarily as it might seem, I don't usually go to the, the computer and the first thought on my mind is, let's see what Celine has been doing lately. Um, for no. some reason, doesn't usually cross my mind, but now it will. Now it will. And she's also, um, she's also recorded music uh, here in Quebec in French with Aldenova. And he, he appears in one of her videos. Uh, I'm trying to think what the name of the video is. Um, mm-mm. Hmm. I can't remember the name of the video, but I think it's Danse dans les nuages, like Dance in the Clouds. Anyway, and it's Aldenova and her singing in French, dancing in a very 80s style video with clouds. And it, it's 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 a horrific visual, but it's great. It's it's great. But, by the way, I love the fact that we started off with D. Snyder and ended up with Alda Nova dancing in clouds with Celine Dion. I don't know how we do it on this show, but sometimes, sometimes our rabbit oh. holes are quite, quite fascinating. <laughs> well, it is called rock talk, and rock talk means that you're going to take a couple of left turns every now and then. Yeah, so as you're on YouTube, type in Celine Dion and Alda Nova and go see that, that just wonderful video. And then go watch her do the ACDC stuff. And then next week or next time we record, I, I want a report card. Because I'm telling you, you are going to be fascinated. You're, you're going to go, you know what? She's got it. And, and if she decides to make a rock record, it will be valid. It'll be a legitimate rock record, not some crazy crooner trying to sound cool. It'll be a very valid record. I guarantee it. I figure it won't be Pat Boone doing Motley Crue. Though that Pat Boone does heavy metal album from a few years ago was fascinating. I don't know if you've heard that, but <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. It it was it, it was absolutely hilarious. But uh, 
anyway, uh, you know, hey, good, good for Celine. I, I wish I had her career. And uh, let, good, let's, let's good go talk to D. Let's go talk to D from. I believe he was calling me from Belize, if not Ibiza, or is that the same thing? I have no idea. I live in Canada. Ibiza's in the Mediterranean, darling, and it's a disco hell. Belize is in Central America, and there's a mosquito hell. Um, I like my Arizona mountain, but let's and, find out why D is in Belize. And, and both are hot, and he has a song called "Burn in Hell." So here we go. Here is the one, the only. D. Snyder. We are speaking with uh, vocalist D. Snyder. The new album is For the Love of Metal Live, as we say in Montreal. Le bonjour, D. How are you? I'm doing great. I prefer the term uh, vocalist frontman because uh, uh, his frontman is an actual job description that not all vocalists do. Well, that's true. Well, okay, let me, let, let's start there then. Uh, my description notwithstanding. You are a frontman, and when we do go see you at a, at a show like Heavy Montreal back in 2014 and other other, there, talk to me about that importance of uh, taking over that stage and being in charge of everything. Yeah, you know, I mean, and and, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't. Uh, well, you 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 can you can. Bad. I wasn't putting you down there. I'm just well, you saying, can. I I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I am. I am a singer, and. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, one of the things that uh, I feel separates me from the pack, especially in, in, in live performing, which is featured very prominently like on the new album for the Love of Metal Live coming out July 31st, Napalm Records, we'll get to that more, uh, is fronting, being a frontman. And, and it is a different thing. There are great singers, but they're not great frontmen. And, uh, and it, it is, to me... It is part of the package. It is part, and by the way, there's also entertainers. An entertainer is not necessarily a frontman. A case in point, Alice Cooper, one of the great rock entertainers of our time, but he's not really a frontman. He doesn't talk to the audience at all. There's no interaction. Well, he's, he's you know, is sort of throwing stuff out there, but until the last introduction of the band, then he speaks. But he's a, 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 a um, Michael Jackson tremendous entertainer but he never talked to the audience he'll go thank you you know and then he'd be done um david lee roth now that's a front Bruce man dickinson d snyder okay. we're front men it's in it, um freddie mercury we engage the audience on a you know verbally uh we connect with them we make it as, a, as a, we make an effort to to bring them in and reach out and break down that that wall that's there you know that it's just naturally there. You're on stage, you're out in the crowd. Make them feel like they're closer to you, more a part of what's going on. So to me, that, that is an art, and uh, I wish I could teach it to some of these kids, uh, some of these damn kids, and just it's because, you know, uh, it's, it's a dying art, too, I think. I'd agree, because if you look at today's music scene, we seem to have artists and we seem to have bands but we don't seem to have these larger-than-life creatures anymore. <laughs> Not to call you a creature, but we don't have these larger-than-life personas anymore. You go out and you, you think, oh, well, I'm going to go see this new band, and you're like, what do you remember about them? Well, they had a couple of good songs. What else? Well, that's it. But when you saw Kiss, when you saw Twisted Sister, when you, you went, man, that, that guy. Van, and, and let's go Van Halen, too. Yes. I mean, not to say Van Halen, too, but it was like the bands were larger-than-life, Creatures a fine word. We were creatures, different kinds of creatures. But from a, a the bands of the bands, it was like they came from another planet. 
And it didn't wasn't just about makeup, their whole the way they carried themselves and the way they they looked and acted and dressed. And when the band showed up at the event, at the arena, you knew the band had arrived. Uh, I'm a radio guy. I've done been a lot of you know concerts and radio shows backstage. And when we got to the by the time we got to the 90s and 2000s, I couldn't tell catering from the band. Very rarely the band looks like any different from everybody else. They don't seem to be creatures, as you say. And it's not just about makeup, people. It's just about the way you present yourself and carry yourself. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lost, it's a, it's a dying art. It, it, it's a completely dying art. So, so let's quickly talk about For the Love of Metal uh, Live. You put out For the Love of Metal the studio album a couple of years back. Talk to me about this one and also incorporating some of the Twisted Sister songs into uh, the presentation because obviously you have to do some of those songs. Yeah, no doubt. It's 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 my legacy and you know and uh, and it, you know and, I, and those are songs that I wrote uh, and they came from my soul, you know. So um, they're part of me. Um, well, I'm going to sound like a psychic right now, and I'm just here to tell you I am not. Okay, I've never had a premonition in my life. I've never had a moment where I said, oh, I, I saw something, uh, not even deja vu, or I, this has happened before, never. But at the beginning of last summer, I told my management, guys, I'm taking off 2020. <laughs> and they said, you're taking off 2020. I said, he said, well, we're just getting really things are just starting to kick in with some love of metal and your new band. And I, I said, yeah, I want to focus on my writing. So here I am. The whole world has taken off 2020 and I'm stuck in Belize, which isn't terrible. We have a house here uh, sitting on the, uh, on the beach, writing all day long for week after week after week. I finished my first novel, I'm working on multiple screenplays. I, so I got my wish. Sorry, everybody. Everybody else got my wish, too. So, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so, but one of the things I said was, I said, but let's film these shows this summer and let's like, like as a, as a placeholder, put out a live album next year, uh, to, you know, before we come back to it in 2021. So it turned out to be a very timely thing because people can't go to concerts, but here will be, uh, I hope for people, a very exciting concert video. And, a, and, and the, yes, there's twisted stuff there, which is great. But what's really great for me is that finally, after putting out a number of different projects, and you know every single last one from, from Desperado to Widowmaker to Van Helsing's Curse to He Does Broadway to I've done so many uh, tr swings, many, many swings at a solo career and never really, con never connected really. Uh, and then with For the Love of Metal, the record, finally, I found a sound and, 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 uh, and just an attitude that resonated with me and everybody. And so I had an album that went to number 20 on the Billboard charts, and people want to hear my new songs, and they're singing them. What a treat for me. That instead of people running to the bathroom on the new song, they are, they are, they are singing along to the new song. So uh, this is a great chance to showcase, yeah, this is where I come from. And this is what I'm doing now. Well, let, let's quickly talk about new songs, because over the years we've had interviews where you've always said, well, the new songs are the pee breaks. And you, we, we've said that and it's been said in other interviews. Is there a renewed interest in writing new music? Because you do have Prove Me Wrong on this one. And you, of course, had uh, For the Love of Metal. 
is there a renewed interest, like creative, uh, creatively, I should say? Are you like, hey, this is fun again. This is like 1985 again. Well, you're, you're, you're spot on with what you just said. But there's, a, there's an asterisk. I'm 65. <laughs> and, it's just, and I'm like, oh, great. I feel like I'm, I'm ready to start over again. But this is a kind of like a strange time to, to, to relaunch a second career. And I know that my peers are out there into their 70s and whatever. God bless them. God love them. I demand a certain level of performance out of myself. And I'm starting to feel that I can't deliver that. And that's bothering me. Um, so I don't know if 2021 will see the return of D-Snyder with a new album and a tour. Maybe. Uh, you know, I'm in the gym working out and I'm going, yeah, yeah, I'm still in shape. I can still do this. You know, so, and I'm, I'm right now at this moment, right Yesterday, you know, I was in the gym. Like, yeah, you look good, man. You look good. You can still do this because you know, I, you've seen me, Mitch. I don't, I don't dial it in. I don't phone it in. I, I, I leave it on the stage every show, all the time, and people marvel. They go, "Holy shit! Look at the shape this guy's in. Look at the level of performing he's doing." But no one beats gravity. No one in the hit of the world has ever beat gravity and eventually we're all brought not only down to our knees we're brought into the dirt okay so i don't want to be up there when something gives out you know and there's people getting hip replacements god bless them you know and all that i've already had a number of surgeries myself i've had throat i've had shoulder i've had knee i've already like you know i'm already patched up in the bionic man already I don't know how much further, I, how much longer, further I want to go, and how many more surgeries I want to get to just stay out there. Especially when I have quite a few other careers that I that I am doing well at and and I enjoy. Well, let me ask you about some of this other stuff because recently, uh, and we're talking about the sort of the twisted sister brand. Recently, we just had the book "We're Not Going to Take It: Songs and Lyric" by a D. Snyder, illustrated by Margaret McCartney. Um, talk to me about that and, and sort of bringing the, the Twisted Sister brand to different parts of the entertainment spectrum in a sense of putting out a children's book. Well, some people, um, I've often, I actually saw an article in a business magazine citing Dee Snyder as an example of how to brand oneself, how Dee Snyder has taken his brand and applied it to so many things. And, and I'm reading the article, and it makes me look like I'm a genius. I have just been saying yes. <laughs> I haven't, there's no, I'm here to tell you, no plan, people. I, if anything, the, the, my biggest motivator is desperation. When I lost everything by the 70s, I mean, everything, as you know, uh, no, I've never given, I was broke, and married, I had three kids, and I just started like, what else can I possibly do to feed my children. And I just started doing anything and everything. And it's worked out really well for me. Um, so I've continued that. And I didn't have the idea, we didn't have the idea to put out a children's book. Look, dude, if, if when I was in my 20s, if you told me that, that one day I would put out a children's book, I would have punched you in the face. Okay? So, I mean, that's a fact. Take it back. I'm metal. Um, 
I got this, we got this call that they, these people thought the lyrics of this, they were doing a whole series of rock songs, uh, were great. This, and this book isn't a children's book, it's a toddler's book. It's about toddlers who won't eat their food and toddlers who won't go take a nap. It's like the most, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, and I go, and I, I go, I said, but it kind of works. <laughs> so, you know, so we say yes. Um, you know, because I find it intriguing and I've got grandchildren who are being read a book with words by their grandfather, uh, by their mother, which is pretty damn, I never imagined that in my wildest dream. Yeah, well, it's working out now on the, uh, on the press release here. And you mentioned it just before it says, uh, D is working on his first novel. And you, you mentioned that you had just finished writing a book. What is this novel? Is it is it more autobiographical stuff? Is it just a uh, complete fiction work? Uh, what is this novel that you're working on or have finished working on? This is really, yeah, I finished my first novel. It's, it's right now, it's out at um, being shopped to publishers. And I'm very confident. I've been writing for a very long time. Uh, this is my first, you know, well, my, my memoir is my first swing at, like a, at a book. And this was my first fictional book. But this is the first, this is also completely removed from anything I've been associated with before, which um, isn't, was a real challenging to me and intriguing because I've always been connected to the world of horror and the world of rock and roll. And most of the things I've done has sort of tied into those things. This is a, a period piece set in the early seventies on Long Island. Um, it's based on, um, actual events that happened, but put into a fictional, uh, scenario, uh, to, to, to tell about them. And it's really about when I was growing up, uh, the unique, world of South Shore, Nassau County, Long Island specifically, which I didn't know was unique until um, I thought this was just the way it was until I started traveling and told people about what I grew up with. with, There was um, high school fraternities and the high school fraternities were modeled after college fraternities. They had the the jackets, the two-tone jackets with Omega Gamma Delta and Delta Gamma Rho. They had, you know, and they had charters with the police. They had this this veil of legitimacy, the way college frats did, but they were gangs. And because they called themselves fraternities and because they had charters, they were allowed to walk around school wearing their colors uh, with with impunity. Um, and I was not one of them. I was one of the. I was the, 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 the rocker choir geek trying not to get my ass kicked day in and day out, you know, by these gangs. And, um, and they, they eventually wound up being banned because um, people died. It got so violent. It got so ugly. And I thought this was just the way high school was around, around the, the country. And I found out, oh, no, this was five towns on Long Island. And in the well, it started in the '60s and it went into the '70s, and uh, it was shut down like '82 was the end of them. Um, so, and I so I, I wrote a, a fictionalized novel about actual events, and it's kind of um, out the outsiders. If you remember that book and that movie for the early '70s. Yes, I, I am definitely old enough to remember the outsiders. Uh, they they forced me to read it in grade eight. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, I think it still is like a. It's, you know, it's, it's still a mandatory reading book. Mine's a little more, more mature than grade eight, but, uh, it's, uh, but you know, uh, it, it was, um, you know, I, I always like to challenge 
myself and um, to write, uh, you know, to, I've been writing screenplays for a long time, but to actually write a novel uh, and, you know, it was, was really, and, and something not connected to uh, rock and roll or steeped in rock and roll. So um, I'm, I, I'm really pleased with the initial reaction to it from people who have been getting advanced, you know, reading it, advanced copies. So I think people are going to really enjoy it. But don't expect anything. You just view me as an author, and hopefully you find the the the, uh, the content compelling. Yeah, and then you can go do the uh, the book signing tours, and that'll be great. So um, now another thing that came out yesterday was a press release for the Play and Go Twisted Sister slot machine. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, and. And really sort of, like, like I said, expanding the brand, not just putting out greatest hit compilations, and all, but actually doing other stuff, which I find fun. Uh, talk to me about that. I was, uh, I was doing my, did a show in Malta last summer, uh, the first time I'd ever been in Malta. And, um, I, and, and I was told by, uh, you know, Danny Stanton, one of my handlers, uh, that the Michael, I can't remember his last name. Sorry, Michael, the concert promoter who the guy who created Sweden Rocks, one of the biggest festival brands in the world. Um, he sold it to you know one of these big corporations for gazillions of dollars and moved to Malta and retired uh, on the ocean. And then, but then he got bored and he started a new company. He says he's got a new company that does online gaming and. Uh, and we met up with him. He said, I wanted to see what I'm working on. And he had very visually very compelling games. And they were, um, they were, he had one for Sabaton and one for Candlemass, these, you know, these big European bands. Uh, and, um, and they were amazing visually. They had the music of the band, they had the image of the band. They had captured the, 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 the nuances of their, the band's image. If you know anybody who knows Sabaton, knows they have this whole military theme going on. So there's the big guns and everything. And I said, wow, this is really great. He goes, what do you think about doing a Twisted Sister one? And I said, what would you do? He said, well, I, I have a vision and work it off of the I Want to Rock, and we're not going to take it videos. And he made the proposal, and the band loved it, and we put it together, and it is really entertaining. And for people who like to play these games, and I had somebody who said to me, you know, you're encouraging gambling, blah, blah, Most people, I live in Vegas, most people gamble a little, most people drink a little. Sadly, there are people who have addictions. But, for, but, but many people enjoy playing for entertainment purposes, and they don't, uh, you know, I'm not trying to addict somebody to, to anything, but this is for the majority and who want uh, to be entertained. And they, they went to such great lengths to, with this game. My favorite thing is they got a hold of Mark Metcalf, the father from I Wanna, from We're Not Gonna Take It, the teacher from I Wanna Rock, and they had him record sound bites throughout the game. So you've got Mark Metcalf yelling at you <laughs> while you're playing the game, which I thought was very creative. And it came out really great. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's another. And, and just, you know, one of the things about expanding the brand, but it's also trying to figure out how to bring in revenues at this time where people aren't buying records and now you can't even do a concert, you know, if you wanted to. 
Yeah, so it's a very difficult time for for artists. Now, and, and I find this fascinating because, you know, people say, well, you just do a reunion tour and go go play 40 shows. It's like, yeah, but you know what? This is more fun. <laughs> we can create <laughs> revenue and put out interesting product. And, you know, not, not that touring is not fun, but, you know, as you said, you went at 65, 66, 67, it's not as easy as 25, 26, 27. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I praise, there, there are people who want to be out there forever. I was talking to Alice Cooper, and, and yes, I dropped that name, God, it's an honor that it, I can call him a friend. And I said, dude, I did say, dude, how long are you going to do this for? <laughs> we, were, we did a show together in uh, Switzerland. My last show in last year was in Switzerland, and actually some of that footage is in the For the Love of Metal Live, because the For the Love of Metal Live is, is a combination of shows from all of last year. So I'll tell you, talk more about that later. But uh, Alice said, um, I don't know, uh, Jack was four years older than me. So I figured when he stops, I got four more years. <laughs> and I said, seriously? He said, I'm really looking forward to seeing I'm 80. <laughs> and I said, God bless you. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I, I don't want to be up there. And not that Alice is disappointing people at all, but he has a different style than me. He's not, he, he, he creeps around the stage. He even uses a cane as part of his act. How smart was that? He's been using a cane since he was in his 20s. Now he's in his 70s and he's still using a cane and he needs it probably, but no one even knows. I should have used crutches. Uh, but you should have used crutches and a wheelchair back in the, in the 1980s. And a wheelchair. Well, that would be great <laughs> if I had a wheelchair. Yeah, a wheelchair. You know that. Um, but, you know, I have a more aggressive performing style and, I, and, and my ego. And then people said to me, well, why don't you just, you know, you, know you, you see Halford. If you see Halford performing now, and God love him, he doesn't perform the way he performed when he was in 1970s or 80s. You know, it's a little more, he walks slowly around and in his, you know, 10,000 pound studded metal coat and he walks around and he sings and, and I love seeing him there. But I, my ego drives me to keep pushing myself and keep throwing my body on the ground and keep doing things that I shouldn't do. And I doctor, I had one injury, a doctor said, what did you do? I said, well, you know, at the beginning of Burning Hell, I always... I just dropped to the ground, slammed my body on the ground. He says, well, stop doing that. And I said, what are I supposed to do? He says, well, can't you like kind of kneel down instead of like falling on the ground violently? So I tried kneeling down once and that wasn't metal. As I just started throwing my body on the ground again, but I was hurting myself. But, you know, it's just, I don't, I can't not deliver. So if I can, if I'm not going to be able to deliver, I don't think I'll do it. That's funny. That's funny. And just real quick, on an aside, it reminds me of Rust Dwarf or the Killer Dwarves. His neck was hurting, and I he, he saw the doctor, and he, he said, well, "Why? What did the doctor say?" He said, "You should stop spinning on the stage." And this is like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe spinning on your head's not a good thing at you know fifty five, sixty. Um, since since well, you are, I, just, I want to tell you this, and this is one of the things that that strikes me, and it, it haunts me a little bit too. I saw I saw an interview with Tom Araya, and it was before they retired, of course. And, and Tom Maria um, said uh, he has bad neck, bad problems, neck problems. And he, he says, I, this was years ago. He no longer can headbang. He said, I used to pride myself on thrashing 
with the audience. And now I just have to stand there and groove. That was a quote. And I said, that's terrible because I know how he feels. Like, that's who you are is that guy. And then to not be able to be that guy and have to just sort of not, and, and period, not be that guy. I, I get that, 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 and I don't want, I don't, to, I don't want to deal with that. So anyway, for Love of Metal Live, and we got, you know, but I'm not just bringing it back to this, I think it captured that energy that I like to share with an audience and I like to have, and that front man quality that I have. There's a lot of stage raps in there that, you know, uh, that, you know, I'm known for talking to the audience. And, and um, have you had a chance to yes. Yeah, and it, it looks it looks amazing, and the and the version of uh, Burn in Hell Live and um, the, the ACDC song Highway to Hell, oh. phenomenal. Thanks, I, I, I'm such an ACDC fan, and Bon Scott is one of my biggest. He was sort of the final piece in me figuring out my vocal style. You know, there was there was Alice, of course, and there was you know other singers like Dio and whatever. But Bon, when I discovered ACDC and Bon Scott. It was like, yeah, that's that nasal quality. <laughs> I want to get that little Alice in there, a little Bon in there, you know, and, and, and a mixture of everything else that's influenced me. So I it was honored to, to be able to do that song, and, and I said, we should put it on the record. Yeah, it, it turned out great. I'll, I'll end on this just real quick, since you are a, a, a prognosticator, a, 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 a Nostradamus of the metal world when you took 2020 off, but... On a serious note, where do you see this going? Because obviously, eventually, this 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 COVID thing will end. But people are scared, and people does it just go back to normal within three years, or is there a whole new something coming in terms of live shows and in terms of entertainment? Well, that's another. You know, that's a really. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a good question because this is all these things that are weighing on me. As a as a as an entertainer performer, um, I don't want any less of a concert experience for myself or for the audience. And to me, part of the concert experience for uh, I've real rock, <laughs> for real rock, is that shoulder to shoulder sharing of an experience and those moments that the fan in me. I've been out there in the, in, in the, in the crowd um, and the, uh, the performer we live for when we just are just united. You know what I'm talking about, Mitch, and everybody listening knows of what course. I'm talking about. And we're as one. These, uh, it doesn't happen throughout the whole show, but, but these moments where I'm getting a chill right now because with the artist and the audience and we're singing together and, and that, to me, is what it's about. And if it's, that's not there, I, I, I was talking, my, my manager handles Foreigner. And he, Phil Corson, and he, and they said, we're doing a social distancing tour. And I said, well, what's that? He goes, well, we're going to sell a third of the theater. So everybody will be spaced out and we're going to do acoustic. And I said, that's not rock and roll. That's not metal. That's not what I, what, what attracted me, made me want to go to concerts, made me want to be a performer. That. If that's the job, count me out. So I am optimistic that I don't think it's going to be 2020. I that we will get a you know, we will get a, a, a you know a, a shot at this, and people we will get immunity, and we will get back to rocking because 
it's what it's all about. I can't see how it can go on without that feeling of community that we have in a concert experience. Yeah, I agree. And and just as you're describing that, I, I'm picturing, you know, an Iron Maiden concert when everybody's singing Fear of the Dark together, you know, that kind oh of like God. beast, you know, and yeah. Oh my God, I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills because it's not where, where I've stopped songs and the audience has just kept singing. And, it, and it's just that moment where, you know, and, and we've seen it at so many shows and it's just, it's what it's all about, you know, and especially in these festival experiences, it's so great. People who, who have not done festivals and then you, 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 they go for the first time and they go, oh my God, it, was, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was such a community. It was such a family, you know, and, 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 and that is the beauty of it. But I can't, I don't know, maybe it can. And if it has to, it'll probably find a way, but it's not, if this is the way, that's my rock and roll. And it's not going to be that way. I'm a spoiled brat. I just can't do it. I'll just yeah. live with my live albums and my memories. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Because when you go to a show, you know, five years ago or two years ago, and it's empty because the tickets didn't sell, it is the most depressing thing. So to have social distancing tours where it's purposefully empty is like the most depressing thing. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, you can't. It, it, that energy is shared. You, it, it, it comes, it, but when people are separated from each other, you know, like in an empty theater, like the show's not selling. It's hard to get people going because they feel so alone and isolated and, you know, just by themselves screaming. You know, it's, just, it's, it's that group experience. Yeah. And now we're just going in circles here, but yeah. you get it. And we, we get, get it. it. I believe it'll be back. It's going to come back. We'll beat this. I don't think this is the way of the future, but it's going to take a little bit to get back to, uh, to normal. Yeah, well, I think see. people are going to be sort of licking their wounds for a while and, and overly cautious and things like that, you know. Yeah, well, sooner the better. And of course, uh, until then, For the Love of Metal Live captures the live experience. And so uh, buy it, watch it, and then watch it again and again and again. Uh, merci. Yeah, you, oh. put it on your living room on the big TV, mm-hmm. crank it up over the home sound system, uh-huh. get a beer or whatever you drink, whatever, a cup of coffee, whatever you're doing, and rock out right there. Create your own little festival concert experience in your house. Yeah. And get get the dog and the cat and the wife and the two kids to sit next to you so you get that squished-in feeling, and off you go. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Merci. All right, Mitch. Take care. Cheers. Have a good day. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.